Hi, I'm Brian Zimmerman. Hi, I'm Matt Micucci, and you're listening to Jazz's Backstage Pass. So today's podcast is going to be a little different, and that's because my guest today is one of our very own. It's Jazz's online editor, Matt Micucci the jazz tastemaker who puts together our monthly 10 albums you need to know about list. Matt and I came up with the idea of turning this feature into a monthly podcast so that you can listen to some of these great albums for yourself and here to tell you a little bit more about this crazy process of ours and in a charming Irish accent no less is jazz's online editor Matt Micucci. By the way, Matt, where are we talking to you from? Where are you located right now? I'm located in Galway, Ireland. But you're hard to pin down. You're all over the place. That's right. I'm just back from, I can't even remember. I was in Rotterdam and I was in uh, Italy before that. And uh, I'll be in Prague in a few weeks. So, uh, yeah. Very cool. The the jazz globetrotter. Mm. Um, Anyway, I guess we can start by discussing a little bit about what we're doing on today's podcast which is kind of going through our 10 albums you need to know about list for the month of February. This is a feature that we regularly post on our website each month. And uh, this is the first time we're deciding to do it as a podcast. We're going to discuss a little bit um, about each album, and we're going to listen to uh, a, a track of music where we can and uh, just talk about what we liked about these albums and why we think people need to know about them. Exactly. Right on. That sounds good. It sounds good. And I just like to say, you know, there's something about each one of these albums that simply stands out and represents the best of uh, the many different styles and aspects and concepts of jazz. Absolutely. You know, not necessarily the best albums of the month because... You know, there are so many amazing, incredible albums put out each month. Um, But these are just ones that we thought were noteworthy and that we wanted people to know about. Yeah, there's just something about them. There's just something about them. Matt, let's start with the Allison Miller and her ensemble, Boom Tick Boom. Right. She's got an album out called Glitter Wolf on the Royal Potato Family label. Uh, And this is kind of a special album because it marks... 10 years together for this group. Mm. Let me say something about this. I love the, uh, I love the title because it's two words that almost have very little to do with each other, but in a way represent both sides of her personality and her musical personality. Uh, Alison Miller, of course, being, in my opinion, one of today's top jazz drummers in the world, but uh, uh, also defying, defying, uh, gender lines as well as uh, genre lines uh, being a a lesbian woman in the jazz world you know i once read that um, she was a little concerned and uh, about uh you know becoming a part of this world and said a lot of the boys were receptive to my challenges when she uh, sort of called them out on them making sexist remarks i think now she's completely integrated and breaking down gender barriers as well as genre lines particularly right. with this album yeah because she comes from a punk rock background as well 
Um, mm. And you can hear that in her playing. I mean, she's got a really kind of explosive style, um, but at the same time, very fluid. She's one of those players that really kind of elevates uh, the playing of everyone around her, um, as you'll hear on this track. Congratulations and Condolences. And that track comes from the album Glitter Wolf by Allison Miller and Boom Tick Boom. It was released February 1st on the Royal Potato Family label. I mean, that just features some beautiful playing um, by Kirk Nufke there on cornet, Ben Goldberg on reeds, Myra Melford, who is the cover subject of our February 2019 issue, is there on piano. So this was a this was a great record. Absolutely. Next on our list, Matt, is uh, a new album from the trumpeter Ralph Alessi. It's on mm. ECM Records, and this one's called Imaginary Friends. What about this record well, jumped out to you, Matt? About this record? Well, you know, what, what jumped out to me immediately was when I heard that it was uh, uh, for it. He reformed his uh, This Against That quintet. Well, no, I mean, it's not the... It's different from the first... Uh, version of that quintet but i think the spirit is still there and i don't know if you agree brian but he fits in really well with the ecm uh awareness of space kind of comp uh, approach to engaging engaging approach to composition absolutely absolutely he he is someone who embraces space as kind of a musical tool um and what that does for his compositions i i think is you know let those parts that are surrounded by the space really speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And this is also a uh, beautiful quintet with Ravi Coltrane on saxophones, Drew Gress on double bass, and uh, Mark Ferber on drums. He's got Andy Milne on piano, who himself just released a new album um, that has to do with homeopathic healing. So this is a really you know heavy, conceptual-minded group, and uh, it's just a beautiful album. We will listen to a track right now. This track is entitled Oxide. Again, that was Oxide from trumpeter Ralph Alessi's new album, Imaginary Friends, from ECM Records. It was also released February 1st. I wanted to say as well about this album that uh, uh, regarding the first album, which is actually called This Against That, uh, Robbie Coltrane did not play in it, but he executive produced it, or he produced it. So now, to hear, well, I mean, they've been playing together for a while now, but on this album, amazing chemistry. I guess we'll move now to another trumpeter. This one kind of more of the mainstream straight-ahead vein, but it's Jeremy Pelt 
mm-hmm. um, and his new ar- album, Jeremy Pelt, the Artist, which is out uh, on High Note Records. And yes. Okay, so the thing about this album is there's always been... <laughs> Okay, Brian, I'm just going to warn you here, because this album kind of made me think, so uh, stop me if I say anything stupid. <laughs> There's always been an affinity with, uh, you know, I, I, read, I, re- I read a lot of Pierre Bourdieu, he was a French sociologist, who, called, who made the distinction between consecrated art forms uh, as uh, the more, let's say, noble art forms. These are like traditional theatre, classical music, painting, sculpture, and so yep, on. Yep. And jazz, as occasionally interacted with these or been inspired by these art forms. You know, such artists as Duke Ellington, Thelonious Monk, and Carla Blaven have been inspired by paintings uh, for some of their most ambitious works. So now Jeremy Pelt is doing the same, but I think, and this is something that I've tried to kind of research on, he may be the first one to have been inspired by sculpture, because uh, this album includes a five-movement Rodin suit, suite. Right. Inspired by the works of French culture, Pierre Rodin. Huge influence on modern art. Yeah, this may well be. Um, you're correct. The first jazz album that is inspired by uh, sculpture. Um, you know, I'm sure through various forms, jazz artists through the years have been inspired by, um, you know, sculpture artists. But this may be the first to... Um, explicitly say that and explicitly make that connection. track was Fato. It comes from trumpeter Jeremy Pelt's album, Jeremy Pelt, the Artist, out February 8th on High Note Records. The thing that I like the most about it, I guess, is that, you know, that's the right way to kind of experience art in general, is look at a work of another artist or listen to a work by another artist or read a book or anything and just reflect your own thoughts in it. And I read that, you know, the, the, the idea was not only to look at the works of Rodin, but also to kind of reflect on what makes a musician an artist. So instead of writing a big, long essay about it, he uh, did what he does best and uh, composed music and recorded it. And he is joined by Victor Gould on piano. He's also playing some Fender Rhodes there. He's got Vicente Archer on bass, Alan Mednard on drums, Ismail Wignall on percussion, Alex Wintz a really, really talented um, up-and-coming guitarist. Uh, Chien Chen Lu on vibraphone and marimba, and uh, Frank Lo Cresto plays some Fender Rhodes as well. All right, speaking of upcomers, the next album we're going to talk about is this new album, Vox. Uh, that's mm. just out on Hardcore Records, and it's by a young guitarist, uh, singer-songwriter, Pedro Martins. Yeah, I don't know about you, Brian, but from Bossa Nova to Tropic. Tropicalia, I've always been immensely fascinated with Brazilian music, so much so that although I've never been to Brazil, despite my constant traveling, it is always top my list of places I've wanted to go. And you know how much I travel, Brian, so I, I still have yet to go there. Well, hopefully you get down there soon. This may be the uh, next best thing because, you know, this is obviously Boston influence, but really 
Pedro brings a very kind of modern Brazilian music sensibility to this album. Um, you know, to the extent that he's incorporating Brazilian pop and contemporary br- Brazilian rock. Um, and it's worth mentioning here that, um, you know, this album, this label, Hardcore Records, uh, is the brainchild of the guitarist Kurt Rosenwinkel, who also uh, harbors a deep, deep passion for Brazilian music. Um, and it likewise has an amazing cast of supporting musicians. Brad Meldau appears here, Chris Potter, Kyle Crane, Federico Heliodo, Antonio Lorero, um, Oscar Azevedo. Um, it's a really interesting record and a promising debut from Pedro, who's just 25 years old. Yeah, and plays an amazing number of instruments on it. <laughs> Basically goes from uh, guitar, uh, keyboard, drums, everything. Absolutely. Sings, sings in falsetto as well. Sings in falsetto as well. And wrote most of the lyrics, uh, arranged most of the tunes. Let's listen to a track here. This is the tune Vida. multi-instrumentalist Pedro Martins comes from the album Vox which was released February 8th on Heartcore Records again that's Heartcore Killer Chops on uh, this young artist and um, you know if if this album has anything to say about it he's going to have a very long very successful career so kudos to Pedro okay I think next is our Mappa Elliot Matt yeah, yeah, exactly. So bass, the bass is the foundation of a band, I've heard say. And many have said. So bass is the composer, Mappa Elliot, tests that theory by forming three different ensembles for his new triple album, each of which plays a different style of music, jazz, rock, and dance. Uh, but each of the music, of course, is united by uh, Elliot's foundational bass playing. And uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, I you know what I can't off the top of my head I can't think of a triple album release or a, or necessarily a double album release where one artist plays different types of music on each of the albums. I don't know about you. Yeah, this was really a unique project, um, and Mappa, you know, of course, probably best known uh, through his association with the group. Mostly, other people do the killing. Of Great course, name. has always uh, been an advocate for musical hybridity, and you would hear elements of jazz and rock and dance music um, in their albums and in their work. But to separate them out like this into a three-disc three project was really a novel idea. Um, and despite the differences in genre, there is a unifying thread throughout this music uh, which comes from Mappa's kind of kind of that uh, profoundly simple composing style. Um, some of his uh, 
you know, idiosyncrasies, when it comes to harmonies and rhythms, you definitely know, uh, you know, across all three albums that this is from Mappa's pen. Um, he's a very exciting bass player. He's an extremely gifted composer. Um, and this is, a, this is a very exciting project from him. So let's go ahead and listen to a track. This is Orland from the jazz portion of Mappa Elliott's album, Jazz Band, Rock Band, Dance Band, out February 15th on Hot Cup Records. So that was from the jazz album, which is uh, features a band called Advancing on a Wild Pitch, mm. and that features Mappa Elliott, Sam Kulik, Charles Evans, Danny Fox, and Christian Coleman. The other bands to appear on this album, the rock band is called Unspeakable Garbage. Uh, so there's that uh, uh, trademark Mappa Elliott humor for you. And the dance band is called Acceleration Due to Gravity. Yeah, I, I'm glad you found those. That was just, uh, I, I forgot to make a note of those, but I, I remember that they were well worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah. The names of the bands. All righty. Next up is the uh, new project from Wadada Leo Smith, the uh, just brilliant trumpeter and improviser. His new album um, is called Rosa Parks, Pure Love. That's out on Tum Records. And it is, uh, of course, a tribute to civil rights icon Rosa Parks. Um, it's in sweet form. Rosa Parks, her birthday was earlier this month. Um, and the album was time to coincide with the month of her birth. Um, this was a very striking album, Matt. Absolutely. Uh, Wadada Leo Smith's latest, you know, long uh, extended composition. Fantastic. Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks was an American activist, civil rights movement, of course, best known for a pivotal role in the Montgomery bo bus boycott. And this and this album is an oratorio in six songs of it. I don't know. What is an oratorio? An oratorio is a large scale musical composition for orchestra, choir and soloists. So usually what it does is it tells a story from religious writings. And the first example of an oratorio I can think of off the top of my head is Haydn's um, the seven last words of our savior on the cross. So the affinity between oratory and spirituality would therefore seem as if Smith here were elevating Rosa Parks to a level of uh, divinity, you know, and indeed the six songs in this uh, extended work convey some, you know, this type of philosophical and spiritual narrative of his vision of Parks. I think it's like a vision of Parks from Smith. You know what I mean? It's his personal take on Park on Rosa Parks. Absolutely. Um, and the track we'll play, as you'll hear, um, it's called Mercy Music for Double Quartet, really kind of conveys, at least to me, both the moment of tension, you know, that surrounded the moment 
Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat and the ensuing boycott. Um, but also this sense of triumph, you know, that followed as the federal court in Alabama ruled um, the segregation of public buses unconstitutional. And it's remarkable to me that Wadada can blend those two senses, those two emotions, so seam- seamlessly. Um, he does so in part because he's employing, as the as the title of the, the track em- uh, implies, two different quartets, a string quartet and then an all-trumpet quartet. And perhaps as you listen to this track, or this part of a track, and hopefully later the entire work, uh, I wanted to mention first a quote from Wadada Leah Smith, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. About Rosa Parks, he says that she was a person of exceptional courage and wisdom who made the right move of resistance at the right time. Her actions generated a movement worldwide for liberty and justice for human beings. Beautiful. Let's take a listen. That was Rosa Parks' Mercy Music for Double Quartet, a track from trumpeter Wadada Leo Smith's album Rosa Parks' Pure Love, an oratorio of seven songs. It's out on Tum Records, February 15th. Of course, not the first time that uh, Wadada Leo Smith has engaged um, musically with the topics of history and civil rights. You know, he very recently put out that um, tribute to America's national parks, um, and then in 2012 released just the absolutely stunning 10 Freedom Summers suite. All right, Matt, up next we have Anna Weber. She's, you know, another one of the kind of young, innovative artists who are really invigorating the avant-garde scene. Um, she was a Guggenheim Fellow in 2018. She's just a brilliant saxophonist and flutist and readist and composer. Um, and she's leading a band here of just real icons um, in the kind of creative music avant-garde scene. Matt Mitchell uh, is appearing on piano here. She's got Jacob Garchik, you know, another young up-and-comer, and really more than an up-and-comer. He, he's doing some beautiful things composition-wise um, on trombone, Jeremy Viner on tenor sax, Chris Tordini on bass, and Chess Smith um, on drums and vibraphone and a whole arsenal of percussion. The idea from Clockwise you know, kind of came from Weber's history with uh, contemporary classical music and 20th century um, composition. So she spent a lot of time before the album researching the work by composers like Ioannis Zanakis, 
uh, Morton Feldman, Edgar Duveres, Carl Heinz Stockhausen, Milton Bobbitt, and uh, especially John Cage. And the new album is really kind of an application of some of those modern compositional techniques to the creative jazz and free improvisation um, setting. In Weber's hands, the results are just absolutely transcendent. This is great music to just kind of close your eyes and get lost in, um, you know, and kind of follow the shapes and the contours and the gestures that have, seem to appear out of thin air and then recede. Uh, the musicians on this album interact wonderfully um, and really seem to lock in to each other's wavelengths. And that speaks a lot to not only Weber's, you know, kind of talent as a composer, but also, you know, each one of the musicians' ability to kind of let go and react to the music. So let's listen to a track. This is Core 2 from Anna Weber's album Clockwise, out on Pi Recordings on February 22nd. As the track finishes, Matt, I want to um, read a quote from Weber here that came from her press materials as well, which is, uh, she said, the goal was not to recontextualize the composer's original intents or ideas. Rather, it was to find hidden sympathetic points of resonance within the primary compositions that I could abstractly develop into new works. Interesting. Um, yeah. Next up, Matt, is we've got an album by Keiko Matsui. This album is called Echo, and it was just released on Shanaki Entertainment. Now, Shanaki, that's an Irish word, Matt. Am I saying that right? I have no idea. <laughs> I did not know that. It is. It's definitely not spelled as if it was, though. I think it might... I, I think it might be spelled differently, you know, phonetically, maybe. <laughs> Uh, you caught me out on that one, but uh, <laughs> I feel bad about it because, you know, I actually learned Irish, but I wasn't very good at it, you know. That's right. I think it was my the... second worst subjects, you know. <laughs> Maths was my first. Anyways, yeah. Keiko Matsui is, you know, the international Japanese pianist and composer, immersed in the late 80s and still going strong. In 2013, she actually celebrated her 30th uh, anniversary as a recording artist. With the release of Journey to the Heart, and now six years later, she releases a new album, Echo, which is actually her 28th album as a leader. And uh, again, she just continues her ongoing inspired evolution with, uh, you know, mixing passionate emot emotive songs, lush harmonies, global rhythms. Uh, of course, one of the one of the really cool things about this album, too, is just uh, the guests that she features on it. Uh, from Kirk Whalem, Marcus Miller, and uh, another one who's on, on this is uh, guitarist Kyle Eastwood. I always forget that he's the son of Clint Eastwood, one of America's finest living filmmakers, and also a great guitarist and composer in his own right, as well as a massive fan of jazz. A huge so. jazz fan, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so you and, can see where the passion came from, you know? And also Robin Ford, um, known most prominently now as a blues guitarist. But, you know, back in the 80s, was a founding member of Yellow Jackets. Not many people know that. And is a phenomenal jazz guitarist, so it's nice to kind of hear him in a jazz setting once again um, after all these years of hearing him as a really top-tier blues artist and one of my favorite blues guitarists. So let's go ahead and listen to a track. This is the track Spirit Dance from Echo, Keiko Matsui's new album coming out February 22nd on Shanaki Entertainment. She really brings a patchwork of grooves, um, you know, because she's a globally minded musician. She pulls influences from everywhere. Um, so once again, another really, really great track from Keiko Matsui. Hey, this is Brian. I'd like to take a quick break here to thank our sponsors who make this podcast and all of our podcasts possible. The great content you're hearing is being brought to you in part by Smoke Sessions Records, one of the finest jazz labels on the planet. Out right now on this label is The Iron Man, Live at Smoke, a phenomenal three-disc set by the pianist Harold Mayburn, recorded live at the label's namesake club in Upper Manhattan. And coming out in March is an incredible new project from the trombonist and one-time jazz messenger, Steve Davis. Check them out at smokesessionsrecords.com. We'd also like to thank the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark. Coming up for them next month, a performance by vocalist Catherine Russell on March 2nd, and a presentation of the variety show Duke Ellington's Sophisticated Ladies, running March 21st through the 24th. Buy tickets at njpac.org. That's N-J-P-A-C org and another big thanks to deezer an online music streaming service that offers over 53 million tracks and over 100 million playlists Deezer lets you discover artists you'll love with personalized recommendations from the deezer editors it's available in more than 180 countries and has over 14 million users and counting we regularly post playlists to this platform check them out at deezer.com d-e-e-z-e-r.com We'll talk next about a new album by pianist Russ Lossing, and it's a tribute to the drummer Paul Motion. Paul Motion, yes. Okay, so who was Paul Motion? Paul Motion was a drummer and composer known for playing an important role in freeing jazz drummers from the so-called strict timekeeping duties. 
He played with Russ, Russ Lossing for 12 years. And actually, I read a quote that says that he loved the way Lawson played his music. The two shared a really close bond. I mean, as you can tell from that quote. So much so that when Motion died in 2011, Lawson paid a tribute to his mentor by releasing an album of solo piano interpretations of his compositions. And that was titled Drum Music. Uh, so cut to 2019. And Lawson once again keeps the memory of Ocean's work alive with a brand new heartfelt album uh, called Motion Music. Uh, and this time he revisits 10 motion compositions in a trio with bassist uh, Masa Kamaguchi and drummer Billy Mintz. And uh, it's good. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, that's, that's, it's interesting to see him revisit that music. There's just something about that music that he loves. Absolutely. Yeah, let's listen to a track. That was Fiasco from pianist Russ Lossing's album Motion Music, out February 22nd on Sunnyside Records. Yeah. Lossing, you know, absolutely retained that kind of free-floating, watercolory feel um, that Motion was so famous for in his drumming and his composition. Um, you know, this this was a very fitting homage and a nice tribute, but it wasn't mere replication. You know, Lossing definitely stamped um, his own personality on these tunes. And uh, you could absolutely hear that in the track we just played. All right, Matt. Um, why don't you tell us about our next album, which is a new one from the saxophonist Chris Potter. This one's called Circuits. And from what I understand, it marks Chris's kind of first foray into the electronics landscape. He's known mainly for his acoustic playing, um, has done some brilliant work um, on ECM in the quartet, quintet vein. And this one really employs the use of electronics in a new and novel way. Yeah. One of the things that fascinates me about Potter is his never-ending desire to explore new musical ventures and influences. So last year, I actually met him at, at the Istanbul Jazz Festival. Uh, and he performed uh, with... Um, Zaki Hussein and Dave Holland. And, uh, you know, he, he said that for him, jazz is a mix of things. And on this record, he includes this, the, the world of electronics into this mix of things. And that's going to be very, that's really interesting to me. In fact, I think it's very interesting for him too. He has said, in fact, that this is a huge turning point in musical direction for him. And in fact, I mean, I think that, you know, it does have that from what I heard it does have that feeling of being unconstrained by conventions in general. So that's great. Absolutely. And let's listen to a track. This is Hold It from saxophonist Chris Potter's album, Circuits.
Once again, Hold It from Chris Potter's album Circuits. It drops February 22nd on Edition Records. All right, and lastly, we have a bonus album for you. We don't actually have the audio for it, but we definitely want to mention it. It's the album Melodic Ornette Coleman by the pianist Joachim Kuhn. It's out on the Act Music label on February 22nd. Yes, it's out in the title, Melodic Ornette Coleman. So this is a different side to the Coleman of the free jazz 60s that people instantly think of. I don't know about you, Brian. I've always been a huge fan of Ornette Coleman. I actually love his, you know, what are considered terrible albums as much as his good al- great albums. <laughs> That's the thing. Absolutely. So to see, there's it's interesting to see, you know, a great collaborator, a longtime collaborator of his. Let's remember, um, they played together for several years, and uh, from in fact they met in the early '90s, and their meeting marked the beginning of a beautiful friendship and a creative partnership that will last several years and include many duo sort of projects, including the 1997 live albums Colors, uh, and they're both in top form in that one. So it's interesting to see that even, of course, you know, Coleman sadly died in June 11, 2015. But even in death, we're still discovering different sides of Coleman's music and different sides of his musical personalities. Isn't that great? It absolutely is. And, you know, in jazz history, Ornette Coleman kind of has a reputation as a disruptor um, and as an innovator and someone who kind of move jazz away from its melodic rhythmic center. But Coleman truly, if you go back and listen to his compositions, had an immense and really profound mind for melody. Um, some right. of his melodies are, are so enduring, and that's obviously what uh, Joachim is homing in on here. Um, you know, there there was, yes, there was kind of a liberating... Um, kind of yearning, search, searching aspect of Coleman's music. Um, but it was also uh, extremely melodic, um, you know, with, with melodies that had kind of the simplicity of blues tunes or folk tunes, um, really accessible stuff. So it's yeah, nice I... to see someone pay tribute to that side of, of Coleman's genius, really. Absolutely. And get this, the compositions on this album, aside from Lonely Woman, which everyone, of course, knows as soon as anyone says the title of that track, it starts playing in my head. Right. Uh, the compositions of this album were never before released or recorded, aside from Lonely Woman. So that's another thing. Yeah, another. We're still discovering new aspects of Coleman's oeuvre. And I think we forgot to mention as well this, well, we might have mentioned it, but it's worth pointing out, this is a solo piano project. So um, interesting to see, interesting. And then another interesting project by Joachim Kuhn. That's right. Well, Matt, we've reached the end of our list here. That's it? That's it. Unbelievable. Those were the 10 albums that we think you need to know about for February 2019. Now that you know, you've got no excuse. That's right.
And that is our show for today. Another big thanks to Jazz's online editor, Matt Micucci, for walking us through the 10 albums you need to know about for the month of February 2019. Hey, if you like the podcast, you're going to love our magazine. Jazz's is now offering print and digital subscriptions through our website. Go to jazzes.com, that's J-A-Z-Z-I-Z.com, to become a member today. Our theme music, as always, comes from the pianist Emmett Cohen. It's the track Folk Song off his album Master's Legacy Series, Volume 1. Happy listening, everyone. We will see you next time. ¶¶